Hey, everybody, welcome. I'm so excited we get to be together, and I'm really, really feeling like what we're going to talk about right now could be really, really meaningful, and let me tell you why. I, I think right now, some of you are out there, and you're saying these words, I just want to hear some good news. Like, have you ever felt like that in this day and time? Like, I've actually had people say, I don't want to turn on the news because it's all bad news and I want good news. And I've got a feeling right now some of you guys are feeling that way, maybe even more than ever. Uh, I was at the post office recently and I have a shirt that says, ask me what I believe. And, and the lady walked up to me and she looked at me and she said, so what do you believe? And I looked right at her and I said, I believe that Jesus Christ loves you. And she said, I believe that too, but I believe even more that Trump's going to win. And I was like, okay, okay. And then I, I, as I was watching the elections, I thought, if it doesn't go her way, I have a feeling she's going to be heartbroken. She's going to be sad. Uh, one of our worship leaders was sharing that, you know, just uh, that with all the upheaval and all the confusion going on with the election, all of a sudden she found herself on the verge of tears just because it just didn't feel good, and she just wanted some really, really good news. Maybe you have lost a friend because of the political process that's going on. You can't get along together anymore. Maybe COVID has hit in such a way that you feel like, man, I can't connect with anybody anymore. And so right now, I think a lot of people are saying, I just want some good news. I want some good news. Uh, we are watching in the area of research uh, a, a trend that's not healthy, and that's that a lot of people are giving in to bad habits that they were at least making progress on before. And they're taking hold and going deeper with the potential to create even more harm. And so what I want to tell you is we go to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is going to talk about a remedy to all this. He really is. He's going to talk about God's way to bring healing, to solve this idea of living in a time of not good news. And a lot of people look at the book of Isaiah and wonder, is it relevant for my life? Is it meaningful for who I am today? And, and part of why you might think that is because the book of Isaiah was written 2,700 years ago. Yet I want to tell you, it was relevant for the people then, and it's relevant for you and I now. Uh, 700 years after Isaiah was uh, written, uh, Jesus was born and Jesus lived. And what we're going to look at today in Isaiah is describing Jesus exactly, which I think is so cool uh, because Isaiah saw Jesus. He heard Jesus and he described Jesus so we could know who he is. And he did it so the people in his day could know the remedy for their heartbreak, the remedy for their time of darkness and confusion. And it, again, applies to us in our day. And we can know the Jesus, uh, the difference Jesus makes. See, Jesus announced that Isaiah was actually talking about him. Uh, isn't that kind of wild? Uh, what happened? Jesus came home to his, his hometown of Nazareth, and he went into the synagogue, which is kind of like church to you and I. It was the gathering of the Jewish people, the people of God. And what they would do is they, they would have a scroll uh, the, the Bible back then, the books of the Bible were on a bunch of different scrolls. The book of Isaiah had four scrolls. And, and what they would do is someone would pick up a scroll and they would open it and they would read that section of scripture to the, to the, the group that was there. And then they would usually talk about it and discuss it. And Jesus comes in and they look at him. And they ask him to be the one who reads that day. And he comes up and he on purpose picks up a particular scroll from the book of Isaiah. 
He's about to read. And every eye is on him. They've all heard of the miracles he's done. They're amazed at the word he said. So they're on the edge of their seat. The miracle workers in their midst about to read from the book of Isaiah. And in Luke chapter 4, it describes what happened. It says, and he, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book. And notice this. He, he did something very intentional. He, he found uh, the place where it was written. He found the place where it was written. He looked and looked and bam. He was like, this is what they need to hear. This is what I need to proclaim and announce to them. And he, he starts to read. Uh, verse 18 in Luke 4 says this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, listen to the words of Jesus, today, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus said, you know what? Isaiah saw me, Isaiah heard me. And what he told you 700 years ago is taking place right before your eyes. It's happening right in this moment. And Jesus, Jesus uh, did something very interesting because he's in a section of Isaiah. It's in Isaiah uh, chapter 61. He's in a section of Isaiah that describes the seven ministries of the Messiah. But he only read five of them. Now, I don't want you to miss that. He read the first five and stopped, and here's why. Because the first five described his first coming, which, by the way, his first advent, the idea of advent, is the first coming of Jesus Christ. And the next two, the next two of the seven, describe his second coming. So he began to center in on the five things he would do as a part of his first coming, where he comes to be Savior and Lord. Uh, by the way, we're going to look next week at the next two uh, when he comes to be judge and king when he's the Lord of lords and king of kings. So, so in each of the comings, Jesus reveals a part of who he is and how he wants to act and interact in our life. So he's differentiating between the first and second coming in this moment. The problem is this, and I don't want you to miss this. Jesus said, this is happening right before your eyes. This is fulfilled right now in this moment. And they begin to argue with him. Now, what's wild about that is they, they begin to turn on him, even though they actually had earlier said, he has done all these miracles. Uh, they had heard the words he had spoken. So they were amazed at his words, and, and, and they were begging for more and more miracles, the miracle worker. And yet, when he said, I am the one, I am the Messiah, I am the one that Isaiah described, they begin to become offended, and they begin to attack him and get angry at him. Why? Because it just didn't make sense to them. And rather than stepping back, taking a breath, and beginning to think, wait, wait, what if this is true? Because it was. They go the wrong direction. 
And in Matthew 13, it talks about how, how the city of Nazareth would act toward Jesus. It says, and they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and in his own household. Verse 58, look at this, you can see it. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. He did not do many miracles in the town he grew up, amongst the people who knew him. But why? Not because he didn't want to, not because he didn't care, not because they didn't need to be done. Please don't miss that. Not because there wasn't a need. Because of their unbelief, their lack of faith. You and I need to take warning on that. You and I need to really think that through. You see, I want to say before we go on and talk about how Jesus really can, really will make a difference in your life, it comes down to you believe him. Do you trust him? Uh, do you believe and trust him and know that he loves you and know that he has the power to move for you and he's given promises he wants you to, to embrace and live out? Please listen. Do you trust him? Do you believe in him? He so wants it for you. He so wants this for you. And yet he may not be doing these things. You may not be experiencing them because you don't trust him completely. You're not willing to take the step of faith. Maybe it's a move of obedience you're holding back on. See, the city of Nazareth, and I've gone there many, many times. And I've been in Nazareth, and I always walk around with this feeling. It's the city that could. It's the city that could have, but didn't. It's the city that could have experienced, and it didn't occur. It's the city that could have had the light shine out, and good news come, and amazing things happen. But it didn't happen because of their unbelief. And, and if you don't get anything else out of today, I, I want you to get this. If you will trust him, if you believe in Jesus, there's so much that will occur, that's going to occur, that'll happen in your life, that will take place, because Jesus has come to meet our deepest needs. And when we talk about the seven ministries of Jesus, and in particularly the first five, which apply to us today so much, the next one's coming. But the ones that apply to us today, they're all things that are going to happen to meet your deepest need and to be a remedy in a time like this. See, we started talking about the heartbreak a lot of people are experiencing, uh, the, 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 the disappointment in relationships ending. And here's what the Lord is saying. I'm going to make a difference. I can make a difference. You're just going to have to believe me and trust me. So, so let's go to what Isaiah saw. And it's in Isaiah chapter 61, 1 to 3. I want to read it, and then I want to break it down together. And we're going to look at the first five of the seven ministries of Jesus. And it says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to grant those who mourn on Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so they will be called the oaks of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he may be glorified. 
Uh, I do think it's worth stopping and pausing to say this. The passage opens up by describing all three members of the Trinity. Uh, God is one God. There's only one God, but he reveals himself in three ways, which we call the Trinity. And here we see all three. We see all three. We see the Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. We see the Lord God, which is God the Father. And we see the Messiah, which means the anointed one or the promised one who comes and brings these promises uh, to us and makes them real and fulfills them. And that's Jesus, who's God the Son. So we begin to look at what God the Son would do and will do. What he would do in their time of need to meet their deepest needs. And the first one's this. He comes to bring good news to those who need it. Remember I asked you, do you feel like you just want some good news? Guess what? When you get around Jesus, you hear good news, good news, good news. Uh, by the way, everybody who hangs out with me knows, now I, I can't believe all the good things that are happening. And sometimes I'll come in so excited and everybody's like, wait, what are you seeing? I'm seeing good news. Good news to those who need it. In Isaiah 61.1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, on Jesus, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. Good news to the afflicted. Uh, I want to say this. Even in this election, there's some good news. You want to know what it is? No more political ads. Anybody with me, put it in the chat. Put it in the chat. No more. I'm so done with political ads. And, and the good news is that at least is over. Anybody else want to put it in the chat? Man, I'm so done with that. But you know what I want to tell you? There's so many things that God wants you to experience, but it's hard in times like this. But wouldn't it feel good to hear really, really good news? What if you heard good news that a virus for COVID had been produced and was safe? Wouldn't that be good news? How about that COVID is over and we can freely go out again and not wear a mask? <laughs> Man, would that be good news? Or the economy is back and flourishing. Or that you could eat all you want. Wouldn't this be good news? That you could eat all you want and whatever you want. And, and so you eat all you want and whatever you want, and you don't gain any weight. But instead, you develop six-pack abs and are in the best shape of your life. <laughs> that would really be good news. You, you following me? Eat what all you want, whatever you want, and, and you don't get, you just gain six-pack abs. And Okay, that's, maybe that's just me. Uh, but anyway, Jesus came. Jesus came, though, to give good news, but not just good news. He came to give good news that's real and to a group of people called the afflicted. The afflicted. The word afflicted comes from a Hebrew word that means to be wretched, humiliated, oppressed. Listen to this part. It literally means to feel that you are less important than others, that you don't matter or have value. So many people feel that way. A lot of people who feel that way hide it. You're wearing a mask, but deep down inside, you feel less than. You feel not worthy. You feel like you don't matter. It doesn't feel good at all. And Jesus said, I've got good news for you. If you don't feel valued, I've got good news for you. If you don't feel cherished, I have good news for you. If you don't feel special, I have good news for you. If you don't feel you matter, if you feel, get, get this, if you feel forgotten, if you feel not seen, Jesus said, I've got 
good news for you. I've got good news for you. And again, so many people have felt that way. They feel like they've been cast aside or thrown away or forgotten or overlooked. And Jesus is like, I see you. And I've got good news. You matter more than you know. Um, I, one of my really, really good friends is named Rick. And Rick, when he was a, a, a little child, his eyesight wasn't good. At a very young age, they began to see that. And so at a very young age, he had to wear, wear, wear really, really thick glasses just to compensate for his vision. Even with those thick glasses, he still didn't have good spatial recognition. And when you're a little boy, that can be very difficult. Uh, lots of kids would look at him and say, what's wrong with you? And then as he got older, they would begin to make fun of him and mock him and, and call him names. And, and by the way, I think anybody who's gone through that, you know it. it, it you don't just let it go, especially when you're a child. And children can be cruel. And, and then when it came to any kind of sports, he just couldn't do it. They would make him play P.E. And, and the teacher would hit a ball to him and he had no clue where the ball was going and how to even spot it. And every time that happened, he got laughed at and laughed at and laughed at. So going to school was miserable. Going to school was torture. And one day at a time when he was in second grade, the teacher got up in front of the class and said, hand in your homework. And Rick just kind of sat there and she looked at him in front of the whole class and said, Rick, did you do your homework? And he just bowed his head and looked down. All the kids are already starting to giggle. She said, Rick, did you do your homework? And, and he just sat there frozen in terror. He didn't do it. He couldn't see well enough. He couldn't understand it. He was lagging behind educationally. And the teacher again said, Rick, if you didn't do your homework, then you get up and come up here. As he got up and began to walk, all the kids are laughing and all the kids are mocking him. He gets to the front, turns around with those thick glasses on, and that teacher picked him up and set him in a trash can, stood him in a trash can. And she said these words in front of the whole class. This is where you're going to stand because you're nothing more than trash. A teacher. If you're a teacher out there, I know you're sitting there going, man, nobody does that. No one should do The teachers know you don't do that. We all know you don't do that. But that teacher did that. He stood there the rest of the class with the kids making fun of him. After class, they made it worse. He begged and begged his mom, I don't want to go back to school the next day, but she made him go anyway. And he lived out the rest of his elementary years being tortured and mocked and isolated, and he would at times go hide out. His place of refuge very often would either be the library or he'd go into a bathroom stall and sit and wait for the hours to pass and the day to get over. Junior high, by the way, got worse. And then in high school, his family went on a trip to Tennessee. And while he was there, he met some Christians who invited him to a Christian gathering. And he started hearing about a Jesus who loved him. He was the afflicted one. He was the one who was overlooked. He was the one that was cast out. And he heard about a Jesus that said, no, you matter. And no, you have value. And so he made, he made a decision to give his life to the Lord. But he had to come back to California. 
And, and he wasn't sure what it meant. He knew somehow Jesus was real. It was good news. But what would happen now that he was leaving these Christians in Tennessee to come to California? And when he got to California, he started hearing about a church called Crossroads. And he came to the high school group. And the, the kids loved him immediately. He was welcomed in. He was wanted. Uh, one week he missed, and some of the kids called him up and say, hey, we missed you. Where were you? And he, he actually, listen, listen, please don't miss this. They missed him. They, he hung up the phone. They missed him. They wanted him. It was the best news ever that he mattered to God, he mattered to his church family. Uh, and in that moment, the good news of Jesus could not have been real, uh, more, more real for him than now good news had come to the afflicted one, the one who the Hebrew word applied and said, you're cast aside and not wanted. And so many people, you need that good news right now. You might be a wife who feels like your husband doesn't even see you or know you. You need to be connected to the church in some way and be connected to Jesus. You might be the husband who shows up uh, at home and you feel like a stranger in your own home. You might be the single person who, you know what, you just thought, you know what, every year goes by and it's harder to meet someone and COVID has not made it easier. By the way, any singles out there, you want, put it in the chat. COVID does not make it easier. But you know what, if you connect to Jesus and you connect to good, great friendships in the church, then what you find is you won't be alone, you won't be lonely, you'll get fulfillment. God has that for you. And, and you know what? God has created you and I to be in connection with him so that you can know how special you are, how valuable you are, how much you matter. And let me tell you this. Jesus brings the good news that he sees you. Jesus brings the good news that you matter to him. And he has a plan for your life where you have a purpose. It can make a difference. The good news is you're not just valuable. To Jesus, you're priceless. You're priceless. So I want you to know that's good news. That's good news. And if you don't know how real that is, here's the thing I want to say. Again, not trying to heap guilt. Please lean in on this. Remember the city of Nazareth didn't experience it because they just didn't trust him and believe it. So do this. Trust Jesus that he has a plan for your life. Trust Jesus that he loves you. Trust Jesus that he'll, he'll do incredible things with you and for you. Trust Jesus for the good news. That's the first uh, uh, ministry he came to do. He came to bring good news to those in need. Uh, number two, he came to bind up the brokenhearted. I think the word is so important. Each word is so important. Isaiah 61.1, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Not just to the brokenhearted. Not even to just care for the brokenhearted, although he does. He came to bind up. He came to bind up. See, maybe again, you're, you might be brokenhearted right now. Let me just think this through. Uh, you lost a relationship over the election. You're brokenhearted. You're a teacher. who, Man, your heart's breaking because you don't feel like you could be there for your students the way you want to be. And some of them need you so badly. Uh, you may be the nurse who going to work every day breaks your heart. Um, I, I heard about a nurse, uh, I watched it on the news, uh, a man who's a nurse, and he watched too many people dying alone. 
And he went home one night and came back and found out another patient died alone. And he told his wife, I can't let this happen anymore. So the last, I think it's like seven weeks, he has not had a day off. He's been in the hospital every day, even on his day off, so that no one dies alone. Brokenhearted. Brokenhearted. So many people right now are brokenhearted, and so many are in need. Um, and, and that need is real, that need is felt, that need is deep, and that need is experienced by many. And Jesus wants to meet that need. Uh, I was looking at some of our old YouTube stuff, and uh, I happened to come across a, a song that we did a few years ago. Uh, it called People Needs the Lord. And I said, Pam, look at this. 92,000 views. For us, that's huge. Uh, there were 581 likes. For us, that's enormous. And I sat there and I watched it and, and, and we just did a very simple presentation of that song. Why did it resonate with nearly 100,000 people? I think it's the words. Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. Empty people filled with care, headed who knows where. On they go through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides their silent cries that only Jesus hears. People need the Lord. You and I, people need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, He is the open door. So people need the Lord. People need the Lord. And then the question comes, when will we realize, when will you and I realize how much people, people need the Lord? And then it goes on to say this, and I love it. We are called to take his light to a world where wrong seems right. Isn't that true? What could be too great a cost for sharing life with one who's lost? Through his love, our hearts can feel all the grief they bear. They must hear the words of life that only we can share. That people, people need the Lord. Right now, I want you to know if you're that person who has that emptiness inside, that pain you're experiencing, that emotion maybe you don't even want to sometimes face. Jesus said, I want to come to bind you up. I want to come to bind the brokenhearted. That's important to notice what it's saying here. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. That's good news. Psalm 147, 3 says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I, again, I, I want you to think about what it means to bind up wounds. Uh, the idea of binding up means to bandage. It means to put a bandage on it. Have you ever had that moment where all of a sudden you cut yourself and you're bleeding? Yeah, by the way, maybe too much information. Uh, um, I'm on this blood pressure medication that makes my blood thin. Man, and when I'm cut, it bleeds. And the other day, I'm walking and, and my wife, Pam, she said, oh my gosh, you're bleeding. And she ran over, and I had this pretty good-sized gash I didn't know I had. And, and Pam starts cleaning it, and, and Pam starts touching it, and Pam starts bandaging it. And you know what? To have her there with that kind of love and that kind of care and that kind of tenderness, I, I was like so glad I cut myself. <laughs> Anybody get it? I was like, dude, I'm going to go cut myself again. <laughs> Because it felt so good. 
Maybe you had your mom do that for you. Maybe you had your husband do that for you, your wife do that for you, a friend do that for you, someone just caring who stepped in. Uh, I was even thinking back in my past, anybody else have this happen? A school nurse who was just so kind. And it says that Jesus is even more than that. And he comes to bind the brokenhearted. And when you bind someone up, when you bandage somebody, you can't do that from a distance. You can't do that from arm's length. You've got to come close. And Jesus said, I want to be with you in it. It's really important for me to share this part with you. It says he binds the brokenhearted. And when you bandage somebody's wound, you want to disinfect it so it can't get infected, so it can't get worse. But when you disinfect it and bandage it, what happens? It has to go through a process of healing. It doesn't happen right away. Uh, you don't put a Band-Aid on and go, oh, it's better and rip it off. It's going to take some time. I have watched the Lord, and I mean this seriously, I have seen the Lord heal people physically in a moment. A man whose heart was clogged and 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 and. He was told, you probably only have hours to live, and bam, a, a miracle happened, and they said, well, you, now you have the heart of a 25-year-old. I've seen him do miracles like that. I've seen him heal completely, 100% in an instant, physically. I've never, ever seen the Lord do that emotionally. Maybe it's happened to somebody you know. Maybe it's happened to you. Praise God if it has. The experience I have with Jesus is this. He binds up the brokenhearted and then takes you through a process of healing. But he's with you every step of the way. And so right now, maybe you need that. Maybe you want that. Well, he can give you that. And he will do that. He will bind the brokenhearted. He also came, number three, to give freedom from hurt. Freedom from hurt. In Isaiah 61.1, it says he proclaims liberty to captives. I, I, I want you to think about that. Is there anything that has you captive right now? Anything that has you uh, bound right now? Anything that has a hold on you, you can't get rid of? And so many people are held captive by the pains of the past. Uh, people who let you down or weren't there for you. And now you have a hard time trusting. You have a hard time feeling. People who you, you opened up and were vulnerable with, and they turned and used it against you. And now you've built big walls, people out, so they can never know who you are, how you feel, what you deep down believe in. Um, very often in counseling, here's the question I hear. Why am I acting this way? Now, now you might go, wait, wait, what are you saying? I hear this a lot. I'll be sitting with someone in a counseling session. And they go, but why do you think I'm acting the way I'm acting? And then they almost always bring it up first. Do you think it was my mom? Do you think it was my dad? Do you think it was my family? Do you think, and by the way, a lot of times it is. A lot of times it is. Uh, by the way, it could be a, a person who was married, had a horrible marriage, they got divorced, later on remarried, and now they're acting like they were in the first marriage still. It could have been someone who dated somebody and it was not a good relationship. And when they finally got out of it, they're not sure how to function in a good one anymore. And, and here's what I want you to know. Those are the things that keep you captive because it caused deep hurt. And Jesus has come and give you 
freedom from that hurt. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, it says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. So Jesus wants you to come and be set free from those things from your past. And he can free you from your past so that it had, doesn't have control over you anymore. So you're not in bondage to it. But he also came to free us from something else. The fourth ministry of Jesus, freedom from your bad choices. He came to free captives. What's a captive? That's someone who probably didn't do anything wrong. Uh, it's almost like you were kidnapped by something, and, and that was a crime enacted against you. But a freedom of a, a prisoner uh, is a person who has their own bad choices. And so in Isaiah 61.1, it says, he came to give freedom to prisoners. A prisoner, by and large, typically, is someone who committed a crime, and because of that, they're in prison. They made a bad choice. So Jesus wants to free you from your bad choices. And many people today are, are held captive to a bad choice. Uh -uh. An incredible number of people are in debt right now, financially in debt. And Proverbs 22, 7 says the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. So you know what? Right now, let me tell you something. Jesus can free you from debt. Our church has an incredible number of people that were in debt like you can't believe, and now they're debt-free because we have a thing called Financial Peace University where we take the teachings of the Bible, the teachings of Jesus, and we show you how to get free so that you're not in debt anymore and you're not enslaved to debt. A lot of people are enslaved to addiction. It could be alcohol. It could be some kind of drug use, prescription or non it could be uh, uh, you're addicted to pornography. It uh, could be you're addicted to food. Food can be an addiction. And in 1 Corinthians 6.12, it says this. It says, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything's good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. By the way, let me say this. While we need to be able to enjoy life, uh, if you become a slave to wine, a slave to alcohol, a slave to beer, then at that point, you need to get free from it, and Jesus can set you free. Uh, while you need to be able to enjoy food, if food is something that now has become an addiction that's taking you to a place of harm or hurt, you need to get free from it, and Jesus can set you free. Sleep. In this COVID season, a lot of people are now just sometimes out of a, a feeling of depression, just wanting to be in bed, wanting to be in bed. And you know what? Then it gets to be too much, and you're being mastered by that, and you need to be set free from it. So we, we have a ministry here called Set Free. Uh, by the way, let me say that again. We have a ministry here called Set Free, and we would love for you, uh, uh, if you right now are finding yourself in, in, in captivity, a prisoner to anything, then you know what? Get in this group. You could do it wherever you are. You could, uh, you know what, if, if you're here in the United States or you're somewhere else in the world, we can connect with you and we can get this group around you and they are going to be honest with you and you can trust them and they'll trust you and you can be set free. You can be set free because Jesus comes to bring freedom to prisoners. And then the fifth ministry of Jesus in his first coming, the last one we'll look at today, is the idea that Jesus came to bring God's favor. Jesus wants you to experience God's favor. I don't know if you even think about that. Like if I said, hey, I, wanna, I want you to do me a favor, that means you're going to do something good for me. Or if I said, I want to do you a favor, that means I'm going to do something good for you. God says, I want to give you my favor. I want to do favors for you. 
and uh, Jesus proclaims the favorable year of the Lord. Uh, and in Isaiah 61, verse 2, it says that he came to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Now, here's the key. The day of vengeance is coming. But when Jesus came and was standing there that day in Nazareth, he said, if you trust me, if you believe in me, if you'll live your life for me and with me, then you will experience the favorable time of God in your life. But you and I need to know that while Jesus came to enact that, that year is counting down. That time is counting down towards the day of vengeance that we'll get into next week. But what we need to know is Jesus said, but I've come so you might know God's love. You might know God's favor. You might know God's care. And he said, I want you to have that happen. Here's what I want you to know. Jesus wants you to be blessed. Now, that doesn't mean it's always going to be an easy life. It doesn't mean it's a, nothing painful will happen, uh, but Jesus will be there with you in it. But I want to say, overall, the description of your life ought to be that you're blessed by God. And he wants you to be blessed to be a blessing. And the number one blessing Jesus will give you is his love, his peace, his joy, which becomes your strength. His guidance, His direction. And, uh, and then He begins to do things. And when you experience Jesus answering prayer, He said this, He said, I'm going to answer your prayer so your joy will be full. When you experience Jesus uh, interceding for you, or all of a sudden something happens and it's Him, and you know God, God Himself just did that, then Jesus gives that to you. And I want that for you, and He wants it. And so all these five things can be yours if, remember what happens, if you believe. And there was a little town called Nazareth that did not believe, and so not much happened in their life. I don't want that to be you. I want you to experience God's miraculous working, His incredible promises. I want you to experience His peace. I want you to experience His presence, and Jesus wants it too. And so right now, I want to ask you, are you experiencing that? Are you living with this? Are you living this out? And if you're not, we want it for you. And the Bible actually tells you how to get it. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone would open up to me, so he's knocking. If anyone would open up to me, he said, I would come in with them and we would, we would eat like friends. We would dine like friends. We would share life like friends. And you know what? I want to tell you right now, some of you, Jesus is knocking and you need to open up to him. He wants to come and be with you. Now, how do you open up? Here's the answer. When someone knocks, you say, come in. So it begins by you saying to Jesus, come in, come in. And, and, and we're going to pray a prayer right now where you can say, Lord, come in. Lord, I want this. I want your love. I want the freedom. I want you to bind up my broken heart. I, I want you to meet my deepest need. Come in, come in, come in. And Jesus is like, yes, I want to be there with you and for you in that. So you need to pray a prayer. And in a moment, I'll lead that prayer. You can pray it for the first time. Maybe you've never prayed it before. This could be the first time to pray it. And when you do, the Lord's going to come be with you. The Bible says, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. If you open up, I'll come. So you start by praying the prayer. You might want to pray this prayer as a recommitment. Maybe you knew the Lord at one time and it was so good and so amazing. But right now it's not. It could be this season we're in. It could be other things that happen. But God loves you. And Jesus would never turn his back on you. But you may have distanced him. And now it's time to let him come and love you. And you may need to pray this prayer to recommit. 
You may need to pray it as a married couple for your marriage. You may need to pray it as a single person uh, for God's direction. But you know what? Right now, if you have hurt, if you have pain, if you just know something's not right, if most of all you want the Lord, then pray this prayer with me. That's the first step. But if you pray the prayer, there's a second step. If you pray the prayer and mean it, the second step is you need to make it known. Jesus said, I want you to proclaim that you're mine. I want you to proclaim that, and that I'll proclaim that you are mine. And so Jesus said, I want you to proclaim that you that we're in a relationship with him. And then I, I, Jesus said, then I'll make it even deeper. I'll make it more impactful. I'll make it more real. And so what you need to do is make it known. And so what I'm going to do right now is lead that prayer. And by the way, if you're right with God, pray, Ray, pray. Don't click off. If you're right with God, start praying for people to say yes to Jesus. Then if you pray this prayer, I want you to let us know you're praying it by texting AMEN to 69922. Text AMEN to 69922. So grab your phone and text AMEN. Uh, grab your iPad, text AMEN. Uh, on your computer, text AMEN to 69922. If you can't text, then email me at chuck at crossroadschurch.com. Chuck at crossroadschurch.com. And let me know uh, uh, that you're making this decision. But if you text AMEN, we're going to get back to you and ask your name. Why? Because we want to know who you are and you need to make it known. Please don't miss this. You need to make it known you're making this decision. Then when you let us know who you are, we want to send you a copy, an electronic copy of The Purpose Driven Life, one of the best books uh, uh, that's ever been written on what to do next after you come to know the Lord. And so this is a free copy for you. It's our gift to you. It will be a huge help to you. We want you to have that. So text AMEN to 69922, and then we are going to make sure and get back to you. We want to know who you are, and we want to give you that gift, and we want to offer you some other opportunities, by the way, all for free, of things you could do to get closer to God. So these five ministries of Jesus are more real than ever. Your relationship is true. Your trust is growing. We want all that for you. But it all begins by praying. So right now, right now, I'm going to ask people to start praying for people to say yes. But if that's you, and you're ready either to say yes for the first time or to recommit, or to find freedom from something that has, has a hold on you, or healing from past hurt, or to have Jesus just let you know, I see you, and I want, I want to give you good news that you're special and you matter. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. And I pray you'll forgive me. Just say those words. I pray you'll forgive me. And cleanse me from all my sin. And heal me from hurt and from pain and free me from anything, anything or anyone that's holding me down or holding me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me alive, that you'll make me brand new, and that you'll make me yours completely. Because I do trust you. I do believe in you. And I want to live my life with you and for you. And this I pray in Jesus' name,
And then here's the word, amen. Amen means for real. It means the truth. And if you pray that prayer, praise God. But make sure and text us. Make sure and let us know. Because you know why? We want to connect with you. And we're in a time in our lives we need more connection, not less. We want to make sure you know you matter. We want to show you next steps. Whatever it is best for you, you can take. So we want all this with you and for you. So text amen right now to 69922. But I want to say in this season we're in, May you find Jesus himself bringing good news into your life. May he bind up any hurt or pain that it may heal. May you know freedom like you've never known it before. And may you know how valuable you are, how special you are, and how much you matter to him. You're priceless. To Jesus, you're priceless. And may you understand that and feel that. God bless you.